one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. What? Win. Win. What are we waiting for? Take this! everybody welcome to the tim gaither podcast episode 54 my guest today is earl skakel hello earl i'm opening up for robert duchene once again <laughs> yeah. it's come full circle yeah robert duchene will be my guest at three o'clock and uh, earl's in here at two i'm knocking out two today because i have to be out of town next week and uh yeah i asked earl last night to uh to do this and i god bless you i'm glad you're able to do it man well you're one of the good ones in this business oh thanks buddy i really mean that so, yeah i appreciate uh, that so are you i remember when i uh back when i was drinking do you remember giving me a ride home i do <laughs> yeah. Ooh, i gotta hear that story it was probably a long ride for you uh <laughs> <laughs> it's a longer one for you <laughs> <laughs> no i remember uh where the hell did my water go is that my water Oh, you mean the water right in front of you right no. there? There's oh, like three one. in front of you. <laughs> Jesus, that one's mine. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of am without my contacts. I am uh, freaking blind, but I have my contacts in, so that's not much of an excuse. Um, but I remember you giving me a ride home, and, and I, I must have been drunker than I thought I was because Earl was like, do you need a ride, dude? <laughs> you were pretty like, you know, I've been at the comedy store for a while. That was a top five, like, this person needs a ride. Really? Yeah. Wow. wow. That's kind of a that's kind of a That's saying something. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I had a bartender once when I was drinking say, I have never seen anyone who can drink like you. Yeah, I think he didn't start that thing, buddy. It's my fault. It's all good. Yeah, I had a bartender say, I have never seen anyone who can drink like you. And when a bartender tells you that, it's like, Well, maybe I should think about yeah. quitting this shit. What's well, like I had a friend of mine, uh, who was at the Rainbow once we were having dinner and uh Chris Holmes from the band Wasp. Okay. He's known for his legendary drinking. Looks at my friend and goes, you look like a uh, younger version of me, bro. <laughs> my friend never had a drink after that. Really? Well, when Chris Holmes, same thing, like says, you look like me, <laughs> you don't drink again. Yeah. And he just woke up the next day and Cold never drank again? Just never had it. And he was pretty hardcore boozer. Huh. So. Was it difficult for him or he just? Um, he was a man of uh, extremes, so he would quit on the extreme and he would start you know sex booze whatever so mm -hmm. uh i don't think it was difficult for him yeah because he was used to starting and stopping right. great willpower or lack of if you, you know <laughs> look at it no i think it's i think it's a definite testament to his willpower if you go from that being that card whore just 90 to nothing you know yeah but you've never been have you ever drank I've never had a drug drink or cigarette in my life wow never anything nothing not even uh I mean, I feel like when I'm around certain comedy clubs, I inhale enough marijuana yeah. to say I smoke it. Especially but, at the comedy store. Well, I didn't want to name names, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Well, it's legal here, and uh, maybe it might not even be the store. It might just be uh, Hollywood in general. You you roll into this town, and uh, it's like a Cypress Hill concert or something. Yeah, just, I mean, you know, certain uh, areas, you everyone's smoking weed, and you get hot boxed. I mean, I've left here probably high. Right. Just from the secondhand high, which is actually more powerful. Really? Because you're, from what I understand, you're not, you don't have any kind of filter. You know, you're breathing in the pure weed or so, you know. 
Is that was that a conscious decision you made at a young age, or how did that? Well, I have two brothers and two sisters, and my mom. I'm the baby. Okay. And uh, my mom wanted me to be like the last pure Skakel. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said, "I'll buy you a, a car of your choice uh, if you don't drink till you're 18." Wow. Now, I'm not talking like a Ferrari or anything, but you know, this is sure. mid '80s, so it was like a, you can get a BMW, and like that's what I got, a 318i. Nice. And, yeah, it was like back then. I mean, now it's like, you know, that was a four-cylinder right. car. It probably yeah. hit 100 miles an hour. But uh, I was like, well, why start now? Right. You know, um, and I've never really been tempted, even though I'm around, you know, what we're all around every night. Yeah. And you were never tempted even before you were 18, like to just keep it behind her back or anything? Not really. I mean, I went to Notre Dame High in, the, in Sherman Oaks, which is uh, very uh, – upper crust, high-end Catholic uh, private school. There's more drugs there than I've ever seen anywhere. Really? A lot of coke, weed, um, and I just wasn't, it just wasn't my thing. Yeah, it seems like a lot of, uh, a lot of kids who are kind of given what they want when they're younger, like spoiled, they, they do do that because they get to a certain age and they're like, well, I've already had the best, I've already got the best car, you know, I've already had all this stuff given to me, there's nothing really to, and a lot of kids get into drugs, but some of the kids I knew growing up with money were definitely the ones that seemed to abuse it more. Well, they, I think they get bored, you know, they go to an, any nightclub they want, any, you know, golf course, country club, gym, like there's nothing they can't have. So it's like, how do I get it? How do I get that adrenaline rush? Yeah. And so, then, so you grew up around here? I grew up in Bel Air. Okay. Um, like the Fresh Prince. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I was raised. My dad was away on business a lot, so I was raised by a black dude named Leroy Prince. Okay. So I, it really was the. <laughs> you the, really were the original Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, you were. But this is Bel Air in the '70s when there were no black people. Yeah. So it was like we got pulled over more times than I can count when he was taking us to school. Because mm-hmm. here's this black dude in a green Dodge Charger. It's like he kidnapped a bunch of white kids. Yeah, no, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. The cops would pull us over every time. They'd take him out of the car. Uh, they would come back to me. And it was either me by myself or my sister and go, do you know this guy? Where's he taking you? Wow. And then they would let us. Because there's only two black people in our neighborhood, OJ and Kareem. Really? And... Uh, you know, we'd see Kareem jogging all the time in our neighborhood in his dolphin shorts. Here's a seven, <laughs> seven foot two black guy with his goggles on. Yeah. It was like he was an alien. <laughs> and then OJ used to throw me the football as a kid. Really? You know, so wow. I got no problem with him. <laughs> Innocent. <laughs> I've known you for years, and I had no idea that you uh, grew up with money or any of that stuff because you're such a down-to-earth, nice, normal guy. That, you know, not to say that all rich people are dicks, but a lot of rich people are dicks. And <laughs> well, oh, absolutely. But my family wasn't really rich. We, you know, we were very lucky. Like, my dad bought the home in Bel Air in the 60s when Bel Air was really no nicer a neighborhood than, say, Culver City. It was okay. Just, it was just a name, not to put Culver City down, but like it was just a regular neighborhood. And then the Bel Air fire happened, and our home was literally the only house to survive. Wow. My dad was wow. not letting that house burn down. Yeah, he was literally on the roof with his little uh, water hose, and then Bel Air grew up to be this, you know, what it is today, billionaires. So we were like the Adams family in yeah. Bel Air. Like we didn't fit, and 
like we get, I got to play golf at Bel Air Country Club, which is now it's I think it's three or four hundred thousand dollars to join. Back then, Jesus, he, he bought a membership for fifteen hundred dollars. So I was very lucky. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say we were middle class, living in a ultra rich neighborhood. Well, I knew that you have uh, your have family ties to the Kennedys, right? Yeah, my aunt is Ethel. Ethel. She was married to Bobby, the second brother who got uh, shot. Wow. So you grew up. I mean, you you have had contact with your aunt Ethel? Um, only at funerals, sadly. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and court cases. No. Uh, la- I've only seen her twice in the last twenty years, and that was at both my parents' funerals. Um, we, we, you know, I think her family was raised very strange, like the Skakel family. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember once being at the Bel Air Hotel for lunch with my dad, and she came in. And the waiter came over and said, Mr. Skakel, uh, your sister would like to come over and say hello. And my dad was like, nah. <laughs> and, I don't think I'll pass. So that's how I was raised. Like, I went, wait, that's your sister. Like, why is she sending over the waiter to come over and get the vouch to come? Yeah. Like, you know, so that's, I was raised kind of to be distant. Uh, even my own brothers and sisters, we all love each other dearly, but we're, we don't see each other or talk that much. Yeah. So, but we do anything for each other. So. so they obviously didn't have that good of a relationship if she was like asking permission to come say hello. You know, the, the Skakels were wi- probably a wilder family than the Kennedys. Really? You know, we're obviously not as known, but back East we, we were in the sixties and seventies, uh, you know, and we probably had more money. Um, so, uh, but it was a what you know, my, I think they had six brothers and sisters, you know, Ethel had 11 kids when she got married to Bobby. Um, so it was, we were like a horse breeding farm, <laughs> you know, just pop kid out, you know, <laughs> have a maid, cook all the kids lunch. And then, you know, like in my family, we ate lunch in five different rooms. Huh. You know, I'd go in the TV room and. My sisters would go upstairs. My brothers would go outside with their plates, you know. You know, so. Yeah. So, a strange upbringing, but effective, I tell people. Yeah. So. Well, obviously, they did a pretty good job. You never had a drink or a drug or a cigarette in your... Yeah. yeah. And, you know, my oldest sister graduated in John Elway's class from Stanford. Taught, she was the smartest person in her class. So, it's a... My younger sister... Uh, you know, was very, very smart, and my two brothers, you know, one could have been a pro surfer, and like, so it's a great family. We're all different, but, you know, so strange parenting, but effective. Let me rewind a little bit and ask about, uh, and I forgot if I, I didn't introduce Drake, my co-host oh. over there. I don't think the camera I'm here. can see his ass, camera can't see. Drake is over there. His um, presence needs no introduction. It really doesn't. Uh, I love Drake. He's a good dude. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, you're OJ. What, what, you literally played catch with OJ Simpson. Yeah. I mean, we, it on was a regular a, basis. Well, I wouldn't say on a regular basis, but like, you know, a couple times a year he'd be jogging and me and my dad would be playing, uh, you know, our bizarre game of baseball uh, in the uh, front yard. Um, and like OJ would jog by and, or we'd be tossing the football and he'd, Hey guys, you know, uh, and I didn't really know who he was at that time because mm-hmm. I grew up a Steeler fan. Because uh, my dad was friends with Art Rooney, okay, the original owner of the Steelers. So uh, um, it didn't really hit me until a few years later. I was like, wow, that was O.J. Simpson. Like, yeah, that's the, I, I saw a movie uh, Capricorn One, where the, 
It's the government fakes. I think the Mars landing and OJ was one of the astronauts. And it's like, wow, that that guy's our neighbor. <laughs> um, and then the Naked Gun movies, and of course his double murder. He, perfected yeah uh, <laughs> if so, it yeah. wasn't for that murder i think he could have had a great acting career he was funny if you i mean if you if you take away the double murder <laughs> <laughs> take that out of the equation man he's got natural talent and the armed robbery in vegas take away all those things he was funny like you know the naked gun movies he's really he yeah. holds his own with leslie oh, yeah. nielsen and you know uh george kennedy who are you know seasoned veteran yeah. actors comics so and a very likable sports commentator yeah i mean knowledgeable obviously yeah. uh you know he he just uh had issues with uh Killing self-control folks. with yeah. the with the ladies <laughs> i mean well they knew what they were getting themselves into. Yeah. come on ladies so but he was a cool guy like I, i'll never forget him you know uh being uh, just larger than life i mean the way he carried himself jogging he was like wow this guy's famous yeah uh same thing with stallone he, he would jog in our neighborhood so you've met him too yeah i mean he probably wouldn't remember me but he lived literally right down the street from me when he was shacked up with that uh this is dating Brigitte you, nielsen uh susan anton oh, who was a 80s actress uh, very beautiful beautiful blonde uh and that was when he was with her uh, and they were living in gloria vanderbilt's old house Wow. So, uh, it was a fascinating neighborhood. Yeah. You know, yeah. Will Chamberlain lived, you know, way, way across the canyon. I guess there were three black guys in Bel Air. Yeah. Um, you know, James three ginormous Co- black oh, guys. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, I grew up, like... With Will, you could just see him all the time. He's just, his well, head, just, his yeah. head's just sticking out over, over bushes and stuff. Big, big dude. Yeah, he was huge, man. But, I mean, Kareem, since I was right down the street from him, I just... The image of him jogging... Um, just he literally looked like an alien. Oh yeah, because there was no one that looked like him in Bel Air. Yeah, really, probably in the city, but to see him on a regular basis, it was like he was the predator, like just coming out for chalk. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, there's gonna be three dots on my chest <laughs> if he looked at me. <laughs> so, did you a, ever have any conversations with Kareem? Well, no. To be honest with you, uh, he I I don't know if he was. I think he was socially uh, awkward, at least with strangers, because I would always go to his house for Halloween, mm-hmm. and I guess he had a <laughs> beer of uh, white people. Corn. Well, yeah, not in Bel Air. Oh, he no. embraced white people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he had a fear of corners or something because his house was shaped in a circle, <laughs> but he would never what? answer really? the door for huh. Halloween. Tom Jones would. He was cool. <laughs> Was he one of those guys that would leave stuff in a bowl at least, or just no? He didn't want. It. I don't think he wanted to deal with the public. Yeah, you know those idiots that would leave the bowl of candy and they're like, "Please take one." And yeah, like, freaking idiot. Sandusky, <laughs> take one. <laughs> we'll see you in the showers later. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was just as a kid, you you didn't really appreciate you're around all these super huge celebrities. Were you an athlete growing up? I was the most dominating athlete in the Beverly Hills school system. <laughs> so you tweaked your name and it's never been the same? No, I was the same size. I've been the same size since the fourth grade. Seriously? <laughs> six one, Not maybe quite as muscular, or you know, but I was like 6'1", you know, probably 150 back then. Jesus. Uh, and it was so bad, at one point they thought they were going to have to take out my pituitary gland. 
Really? Because uh, it wouldn't stop growing. I had a size 13 foot in the wow. fourth grade. And I, football, basketball, kickball. In kickball, I was like Barry Bonds. I mean, I'd literally <laughs> kick the ball. Like, I was like the water boy. Like, <laughs> I mean, I would oh, hurt shit, people. Shit, Earl's up. And then uh, I'd never seen anyone my age, uh, my size. Yeah. So the first day at Notre Dame High, I thought I'll just sign up for football. You know, it was, it was like a, that scene in Fast Times where you sign up for the classes, you you got in line and sign up for football. And these two black kids got behind me, and I'm like, <laughs> They're like six, 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 seven, and you know, probably two hundred pounds or whatever. And I'm like, uh, "What grade are you guys?" <laughs> and they're like, "Freshman." I'm like, I literally said, uh, "Do you know where the golf tryouts are?" <laughs> I think my athletic career just ended. <laughs> I played one day of freshman football at Notre Dame, and uh, I don't think the the coach liked my uh, sense of humor. Cause... So fourth grade, you're like nine or ten years old. Yeah. I was and just... you were six foot two. Yeah. Or whatever I am now, you know, six one or whatever. And, uh, and then I you mean, just stopped fucking growing. Yeah. And basketball, they, they would literally give me the ball down low and five kids would come to, like, jump around me. <laughs> and I was just <laughs> elbowing people. And, like, I was dominating in football. We would play at Beverly Hills Catholic grade school. Uh, tackle football on cement like it was crazy <laughs> on and, cement yeah and i was like bo jackson like i'd be carrying three kids <laughs> every play was get it to earl yeah scream past the earl and i was just dominating and at notre dame i was like i'm not gonna dominate it's no. almost like that adam sandler movie um uh, back to school when he goes and he's playing dodgeball with those kids in like the third grade and he's just smashing the shit out of them that was really your existence yeah, I mean, it was... In, That's was, hilarious. But I was so socially retarded in high school because, you know, my, my whole grade school life, was everyone loved me because it was like, he's the best. <laughs> like, I wasn't the smartest guy, that's for sure, but, like, everyone wanted to be around me because I was just like, this is the guy. Yeah. Big man on grade school campus. And then in high school, it was a bit of a culture shock because I wasn't the guy. And everybody, everybody caught up to you. Oh, they surpassed me. Yeah, yeah. So, uh... That was kind of I, I was the tallest. I was one of the tallest kids in my seventh grade, and everyone thought I was going to be like, you know, in my family, six feet tall is right. ginormous. And uh, I quit growing in seventh grade, so it was it was kind of the opposite for me. But I'm only five seven, so right. and that's in really kick ass shoes. So well, that's tall in seventh grade. <laughs> yeah, in seventh oh, grade, yeah. it's pretty tall. I was bigger than everyone, and then eighth grade, everybody came back, and they're all taller than me, and it just got progressively worse. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, I wish uh, I would have played sports in high school a little more than i did yeah because high school is uh i mean i was borderline bullied in high school yeah you know just because i didn't i mean i was a class clown really were you skinny or something how'd you get bullied um you'd have a big head to be honest and like i remember freshman year like people would call me the elephant man really stuff like that and it's like wow this didn't happen in grade school i think because <laughs> i was so much bigger than everyone they like oh, yeah. we're, we're gonna be nice to this guy uh and then high school was a bit of a, like, wow, this sucks. I've never been talked to like this before. Yeah. Even at my dad's country club where I was, there weren't a lot of kids that played up there, but there was, like, a group of ten of us that, that were, like, a gang up there. We'd all play together, and, uh, you know, we you know I was the biggest guy. Uh, if you've ever seen that movie, My Bodyguard. Oh, uh, yeah, I love that movie. I really identify with that movie because, you know, Adam Baldwin, who played, uh, you know, the, the big guy everyone was afraid of that was me 
but I was like a likable version of his character. Like, you know, people were scared of me, but then in high school they weren't. I totally that was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. What was the name of the the big guy? Do you remember? Ricky Lenderman. Ricky Lenderman. <laughs> his brother accidentally got shot and all that. And yeah, and they thought he did they it. Thought he did it. Um, yeah. And then they had his little sidekick. Uh, the kid with the bowl cut was so funny. How that guy didn't become a star, <laughs> like just. You know, hey, you can feel the boogers under your desk. You can, you can get hepatitis from the fresh ones. He just had these lines. And it's just like, I don't think that, I think that was his only movie ever. Yeah. Uh, and it was just like, wow. Like, I don't even remember that character. Yeah, he wasn't the, the, the guy that Ricky Lenderman uh, befriended, not the kid from Meatballs. Right. Uh, it was um, like the third lead, I guess, and he did, he didn't have a lot of lines in the movie, but he, he just he was like the one liner guy. Like this kid's funny, throw him a. I remember who you're talking about now. You know, yeah, like kind of yeah. buck teeth. I know we're probably losing viewers talking about <laughs> a 40 year old movie <laughs> and a character actor. Like you remember that guy from that movie? No one saw. <laughs> one, made one movie, had four lines, career done. <laughs> yeah, but he was so. It's almost like how I do my stand-up. Like, nobody's seen it, but, like, I get this one-liners. You were very funny last night, dude. You were giving yourself all this. You were, you were giving yourself shit on stage, and I'm in the back going, dude, you're doing great. I don't know why you're giving well, yourself so much shit. Like, when you're up there, I think that was just. You know in the OR when it's, like, I mean, that crowd was good, but, yeah. like, it's kind of spread out. Like Yeah, it's, it's patchy. Like a, Tetris game. Like right. there's three there, there's <laughs> two in the back, you know, a couple comics in the back wanting you to bomb. So, uh, not you, but like, you know, I know how it is. <laughs> I know how comics think. Yeah. Hey, Earl's up there. We love him, but I hope he eats it. Uh, I have a bad habit of that. Like when I'm watching a comic eat it, uh, that I start laughing hysterically. Like it's such a bad habit of mine. That's why I leave the room. Like I'm a horrible audience member. I am too. Even if I like somebody, like yeah. I, I watched Chappelle. I watched both of his specials back to back, and I don't think I laughed out loud once. And when they were over, I was like, "That's probably the best comic I've ever seen." Oh yeah, yeah that's how I am. And I realized I hadn't fucking laughed one time, like out loud. I yeah. just want well, quiet. Yeah. If you can believe that. Uh, so like, if I like something, I'm like, okay, that's good. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can tell, especially after you've been doing. How long have you been doing comedy now? I've been doing it so long, I honestly don't remember when I started, but I'll say close to 20 years. You're one of those guys I have no idea how old you are. You could be 30, you could be 50, I have no fucking clue. 49. Really? But I take, you know, I think it's because uh, I'm well-preserved. Mm -hmm. I would say I literally have the insides of a 20-year-old. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I, you know, moisturize and all that shit. So. Yeah, I've been sober now for over seven years, and it really, uh, it really helps you look great. All that stuff. You 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 age almost in reverse when you start eating right and all that stuff. Especially with all, all the stuff we know nowadays. But I feel so much better than even when I was like twenty five. Yeah, know? I mean you can. Uh... And I wrestled until I was twenty two. So even three years later, I was just I ate like shit and I was drinking and smoking weed all the time. And it really ages you hardcore. And you can tell like when I go back home. Like, when I go to, like, a party or something, you can tell the people that are still drinking like they were in high school. It's like, you can't do that shit forever, dude. <laughs> you oh, know? you see. Uh, I'm proving that wrong. <laughs> I feel great. You don't drink no much, do you? Not really, but I yeah. smoke weed and eat like shit and smoke cigarettes. I mean, oh, cigarettes yeah. are a killer. You know, it's what they do to the inside. I'm not trying yeah, to be no, preaching. Yeah, no, but, I, but like, I agree. Fat people who smoke don't live a long time. You know? I mean, it's tough. I mean, you're... 
you know, like I was dear friends with Ralphie May. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you just can't abuse your body. Right. It will catch up. It will up catch you, up, yeah. No matter who you are. Like, Ra Ralphie had more money than all of us. Didn't help. Like, no. You know. Um, yeah, it was sad. He was such a funny dude. Funny dude, and uh, like that Russell Peters level of niceness. Really? Where he would always say, hey, man, let me get you out of L.A. Let me get you on the road. I'll, I'll pay for your flight. You would take the bus, or I'll pay for your hotel, and I'll pay you well. And it's like, uh, you know, I'll do it just because I want to, like, I never took him up on the offer because I never wanted him to feel like I was using him. Mm -hmm. Like, we were friends. Like, we would talk about Abdullah the Butcher. Yeah. We really bonded. That's why I bombed at his memorial because I'm like, like girl, you got to get up there and close it out because this magician. I thought it was great, but, but I'm a wrestling guy. Yeah, I mean, know. I was just like, all right, I'm gonna bomb on. Ralphie's gonna see me bomb one last time because <laughs> uh, I knew no one was gonna get the Abdullah the Butcher and even worse, his manager Gary Hart, right? Who was this white guy who spoke in a really, really southern drawl, but he was the whitest guy. Oh yeah, like, mm -hmm. you know my brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I remember Abdullah the Butcher. That guy was scary as shit. Oh yeah, he we still were, wrestles. We, we yeah. were talking about that last night. Didn't he like, like lick? Something wasn't yeah. he always he licking was, something? Well, he was he just has disgusting. You're right, yeah. Like, and he owns a restaurant in Atlanta, <laughs> Ribs, where he cooks. <laughs> really, he can't wrestle anymore because he has hepatitis, so no one will like uh, vouch for him. Like, right. Uh, so he has to like cook over the grill, and it's hot in there, and he's dripping sweat into the meat. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I'll take a Snickers bar. I'm assuming you didn't package it. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> do people, I guess people don't know going to his restaurant that he has freaking hepatitis? Um, I think I, it's out there now, but I mean, I think some people don't care. care. Like, yeah, I don't think they care. There's girls who would fuck Magic Johnson with no rubber. Like, yeah, they yeah. say, oh my God, it's a celebrity. You know? Yeah. So, that's true. But yeah, you gotta, you don't have to like go to the gym every day and hot yoga, and, but you know, you gotta, it will, you know. Bad habits will catch up to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, I had no idea you were 49. You could have easily said I'm 33, and I'd been like, all right, that sounds right. Yeah, I mean, I go on auditions, uh, you know, or the roles I actually book. It's it's usually for guys in their mid-30s, uh, you know, or young dads, um, stuff like that. So uh, it helps. You're like a black dude. My friend Michael, <laughs> Michael Batman Rhodes is my buddy, and he's 44. And uh, the other day I was like, how old are you, Michael? 23, 24? He's like, oh, I just turned 44. And I was like, are you shitting me? Like, I had no idea. Black dudes, you can never tell. Yeah, I mean. Same with Yorsi. The other night I asked him his age, and I was like, are you shitting me? Like, he's 75 years old. That's crazy. I Jeez. thought he was 60. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, Did like, you... Ian Edwards is another one where it's like, you, Ian could tell me he's th early 30s, or he could tell me, you know, early 50s. I like it's, it, I, And I go, oh, okay. But, yeah, you know, because he, he's well preserved. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what his uh, regimen is, but um, yeah, you know. So, did you like do drama and all that stuff? Did you did you have any idea you wanted to do comedy, or did you just love it growing up? Or uh, well, I grew up in the seventies, so like I didn't necessarily watch traditional stand up. I, I was a huge Archie Bunker fan. Yeah, uh, not for what he was saying, but um, the way he was saying it and getting mm -hmm. away with it. Um, Eat it, just shut up. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I was like, "Wow, this guy's like, he talks to their wife like that." And yeah, like, the uh, the racial things he would say, but without being dirty, like just the innuendos and, and mm -hmm. the buffoonery of, oh, "You're not really like this in real life." Right. Uh, I really gravitated to, and 
like even TV shows like The White Shadow, which is once again somewhat of an obscure show, but uh, the humor they would use that was pretty raunchy at that time, um, uh, I gravitated to versus watching like The Tonight Show. Uh, but all my friends were managers and agents. Mm hmm. And they were like, and I mean at big agencies, like the big ones. And they were like, dude, you're funnier than any of our clients. Get into comedy and we'll help you. You know, just do a couple open mics. They made it seem so easy. Like, right. And I, at that time, I was like, oh, I'll just do three or four open mics and I'll be famous. And uh, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I started. Uh, and that was pretty bad, to be honest. Uh, and they all left the business to go into real estate. It was bastards and, uh, <laughs> so i probably the first 10 years i really fl you know i got last based on being really liked mm -hmm. uh which is probably the case to this day uh well that's a huge part of it and you can't teach that you know yeah you can't I mean, teach likability yeah i mean you either that's you know you're you're likable like you're like i can't imagine an audience turning on you occasionally it happens but yeah I, I get away with shit like I have old people come up to me all the time and be like I appreciate how clean you were and I'm like I said fuck 47 times right. <laughs> I wasn't that clean but if you're likable you kind of disguise that or they look yeah. past it you know you plus, can get away plus saying fuck is one of those things where if you know how to say it and where to say it like this guy taught me when I was first starting out he's like your your material should be like your like the like your steak and cussing should be like a little seasoning. You know, oh, absolutely. Like, like a little seasoning, oh, it's great. Too much, you can't take it. You know, it's fucking gross. Yeah. And it's the same thing with, uh, with stand-up. So. Yeah, it loses its uh, effectiveness. I say, I don't swear a lot in my act, but like, I think if you're likable, you you know, I've played gay uh, gay crowds. I'll do a charity gig, you know, that's, you know, uh, AIDS Foundation or whatever, and I'll do an AIDS joke. Yeah. And I'm so likable doing it they love it and there's probably people in the room with aids yeah um so and they'll come up to me and say hey uh, thank you for making me forget about what i'm going through yeah and it's never really dude gay people have the best senses of humor i totally agree yeah, yeah i mean they're taking a, a dong in the butt with no lube <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I the the best laugh probably single laugh i've ever gotten it in comedy i was at uh i was working at the Addison Improv and the Arlington Improv, but it was between, like, on that Wednesday, we had the night off, and this guy was like, hey, man, you want to come do this contest at this gay bar? And I was like, yeah, sure. And and we went to the show, and I'm talking to him, and, and I go, you know, I, I don't understand why anyone would think, you know, God made you this way and is going to punish you for it. And then I paused, and and I had never said this before. It just kind of was just talking to him, and I go, yeah, but they also say serial killers are born that way, so who knows? Maybe you will all burn in hell. <laughs> and they thought that was the funniest thing. I mean, they laughed because it was so, like, just honest, just came out of me. And they, I bet they laughed for, for two minutes straight. It got, like, uncomfortable. Like, all right, guys, I got other shit here I want to do. Um, so the next night at the improv, I thought, like, oh, I got a new joke. I can't wait to unleash my new joke because it got the biggest laugh ever and i did that joke and you could have heard a pin drop i'm like yeah so maybe they will all burn in hell and <laughs> they looked at me like oh my god i can't believe and i wanted to be like no the gays <laughs> they loved it it's fine yeah, you know. it's weird like how one joke could kill in one room and yeah you know, just the crowd you don't know if they're you know hardcore bible bell christians and yeah you know they, yeah they are gonna burn in hell yeah 
Those vibes. <laughs> you, know, you do the joke 20 miles down the road where it's a different county and right. it's a different, you know, the Trumpies or whatever. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, yeah. We so, love Philadelphia. It's, it's a great the same movie. thing with racial <laughs> jokes, you know, like you'll you'll do jokes and like and like there'll be like three or four black people in the crowd, so white people are all looking at you like, "There's a black guy over there," and I'm like, "I know, I wouldn't be doing this shit if it was racist," and you know, but they get so tight about everything, and uh, then the black people come up and be like, "Oh, I really loved your jokes about whatever," and I'm like, "Yeah, could you tell the rest of these fuckers?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you let them know it's okay to laugh. Did uh, so? Did you did you ever get to meet Mitzi Shore then? No, it's one of the great. Regrets of my comedy life. Me I too. Never I've never to got to speak her. to her. I was one of the last people she passed, I think, but I never got to actually speak to her. Like she passed me through a video, right? But I never got to speak to her. So you yeah. never got to talk to her either, huh? I mean, I, I wouldn't say I met her, but there was one night uh, she was, I think she was showcasing or just maybe just watching the show, and Ari Shapiro was next to her, and uh, I don't know. I just didn't want to meet her that way. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I don't know if she was in the, the best health. Uh, so I just thought I'll I'll just meet her through other people's memories and older pictures where she's, you know, vibrant and the Mitzi we all know and love. Right. So, uh, what yeah. uh, what kind of relationship did you have with Tommy? Well, <laughs> well I hope I everyone can see the look he just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wanted to like Tommy to be honest with you because we you know we like the same music eighties you know yeah. David Lee Roth and. Rat and poison, uh, and I think we're around the same age. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's Tommy's another one where, yeah, I, uh, taking away my personal feelings towards him, he kind of looks like you, you could tell me he's 40, you could tell me he's 58. Yeah, but, uh, okay. Um, you know, he was just never gonna pass me, which is fine, uh, you know, but I just, I guess my beef with him was don't encourage me if you're gonna like have no intention of ever passing me. Mm -hmm. uh, that that was really my only uh, anger or whatever you want to call it with him you know like I much prefer how Adam does it uh, his replacement where Adam will tell people what you do isn't for me in you know, whatever else he tells them and like with me um, I was almost in uh, even worse position with Adam because everyone was telling him you got to pass Earl you got to pass Earl he's been here forever everyone loves him Tommy fucked him over and you know like I think we're all like little kids when you're told you have to do something right. you don't want to do it um, and he came up to me and he was like hey man I'm gonna I'm gonna showcase you because I know everyone wants you up here but if you don't do well I'm not gonna pass you mm -hmm. which is all I ever wanted was I just right. want the shot Yeah. so uh, if Tommy was more like that um, I, I would have had no problem with him and for anybody who doesn't know, Tommy was the old talent coordinator here, and uh, so he would never even give you a chance to showcase. Oh no! Oh my God, no! He would put the crazy guy in the green suit mm -hmm. uh, on Monday nights <laughs> up over me a lot. You know, there'd be it'd be toward the end of the night, and whoever was working the cover booth would be like, "Hey, there's two more people left, Earl and Bob." And Tommy would like look at me, and he'd look like he was gonna give me a bone, and uh, they put up Bob. Yeah. Like, oh, I just waited here for four hours for nothing, uh, and I think I have a pretty level head on my shoulders. I'm I'm not owed anything. Right. I think that now. I thought it then, and then there was just so many more stories. You'd have to tell Duchesne to come back. Uh, <laughs> you know, like there was one time uh, there weren't a lot of paid regulars in the room. It was a Tuesday night, 
and uh, everyone was like, "Put up Earl, put up Earl." All the paid regulars were like, "Put up Earl." So I went up and I did very well, and I was so excited. You know, next night was a Wednesday night, same thing. Yeah. You know, like Sebastian and you and or, or whoever was supposed to be there weren't. They didn't show up. Put up Earl, put up Earl. I did well, and on Thursday night he. He starts walking towards me in the hallway, and I'm like, "This is it. I'm gonna get past. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna at least, I don't know, get whatever here." And he just looks at me and goes, "Well, you're not supposed to go up on the weekdays. You go up Sundays and Mondays when I tell you." And he just walked away. <laughs> what a warm like, personality. Like, yeah. Well, I won't say what he said to me the first time I ever met him. Like, it involves a word that rhymes with bigger <laughs> oh he just said that in casual conversation yeah like i didn't like i didn't really know i mean i knew who he was but i, I had no relationship with him and he mm -hmm. he just put his arm around me one night in the or and uh i won't say who was on stage but it might have been a comic <laughs> of uh, ethnic origins and uh you know he said what he said i'm like jesus this is the guy i have to kiss ass to yeah, get right. I'm, I'm like uh he, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Some it's funny how people get comfortable and they'll say stuff like that, you know. Like it happens to me all the time. I don't know if it's cuz they they hear an accent or whatever they whatever yeah. whatever makes them think it's okay and I'm like, "Dude, I wouldn't be okay with that regardless, but I don't even know you. Like <laughs> how are you just that comfortable with this stranger to to say shit like that?" But he's one of those guys and who knows, maybe he had such a power trip it seems like that maybe he was like oh this guy didn't respond well to my bigger joke so yeah i mean it could have been something as simple and stupid as that um but i always you know i'm not an ass kisser i'm very bad at it i'm just uncomfortable yeah uh, but i'm always very nice and thankful for you know like you know i'm like sound roast battle i'm incredibly thankful to brian and jeff you know i don't think i overdo it by thanking them but you know that show gave me everything thankful to the showtime people like they, they treat me very well um, but uh with him I, I i can't be any nicer without i don't know i mean i just really at one point i was so desperate to get passed by him i knew he liked the uh to indulge in marijuana mm -hmm. and he's a musician i literally went online at guitarcenter.com <laughs> i was like what's a mid-level guitar i can just stuff with weed and just go, is this good enough? Yeah. Because <laughs> there was one person up here who got passed. I won't say his name, but who gave him weed. Really? Yeah, I, like, I, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You either like hot dogs <laughs> or... Um, and I just... I couldn't get passed that way. Like, yeah. I'm a purist with comedy. I want to be brought into here, the improv, wherever, and go... He was one of the funnier people for this gig. Not yeah. Well, he gave the manager weed. Yeah. So I, it, but I was close to doing it. Yeah. You know? I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> but I mean, in this business, <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of. I see it to this day. A lot of people get stuff because they uh, hooked up someone with concert tickets or, uh, you know, uh, sexual favors or and you know. Uh, I think that's what I love about Adam is like he don't care who you are, he don't care if you're famous or not. You'll get on that stage if you're funny. He already has what he wants in life. And same thing with Paige at the Improv. Like, you know, you're not getting on either of these stages without 
being funny first. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Well, uh, let's switch gears and talk about uh, you're a huge wrestling fan. Who Who is your favorite wrestler and why? Sting. I'm a Sting guy. Sting. Not the yeah. bass player. Is he still wrestling Sting? Uh, well, not, I don't think, not really. I don't think actively. No. I think it's been a couple years. He uh, he got fucked over at WrestleMania 32. Uh, which, was that was that last year? That or? was uh, no. This was 34 this weekend. So, so two, two, years two years ago. ago. Okay. Um, and it was kind of a big deal because he was the only wrestler to never not go to the WWE. Right. Yeah. You know he like you know because he's like a reborn Christian and stuff. I'm sure he looked at the WWE and the Attitude Era with the bra and panty matches and, you know, uh, the Billy and Chuck gay wedding, you know, thing. Ah, I'm good on that, man. Yeah. I'll go to TNA where no one really watches. I don't have to travel. It's literally like saying as a comic, I don't want to go to the comedy store. I'll play Sal's Comedy Hole. Yeah. You know, I don't have to go far from my home. No one's going to see me. I could bomb or do well, and it's all the same. Yeah. Uh but I just always liked him. You know, I'm, I'm a big Kiss fan, and, you know, Sting would always wear makeup and these extravagant costumes. And uh, I just, uh, you know, I've always liked the underdog. Like, everyone grew up in my era liking Hulk Hogan, Ric mm -hmm. Flair, uh, Stone Cold. Uh, but Sting is kind of like that guy who should have been, I mean, he's huge, uh, but he should have been bigger. Yeah. It's like Cheap Trick almost. Like, this guy should not be in the opening match at WrestleMania. He should be the... You know, cheap tricks should not be opening up for poison. Yeah. Uh, so I always like those. I've never really liked the number one guy or band yeah. or comic. Uh, you know, most of my favorite. Like, I love Stephen Wright as a comic. To me, he should be huge. Yeah. But people want to see, uh, you know, what they want to see. Yeah, I saw your tweet the other night about, um, about uh, Kurt Angle and somebody opening for uh, him. Oh, my God. I mean, Kurt Angle basically... Uh, he was a tag team partner with Ronda Rousey. Okay. And uh, he, it was his job to make her look good. Yeah. And I lo love Ronda because she was very good friends with Rowdy Roddy Piper, who we all love up here. Yeah. But it's like, really? Kurt Angle's br literally broken his neck in this business for, what, 30 years? He's not quite that old. 97, 98. So 20 years. Yeah. He's yeah. literally gone from one end of this world to the other, breaking his neck. And he's the water boy now for someone in their first match ever. I just like, dude. But you know how the WWE is, Earl. And, like, when he left the WWE about 10, 12 years ago, it, like, it, they, they really had a bad relationship, right? So Vince McMahon is notorious for, like, digging at people when they leave a bad taste in their mouth. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. So that's I think that's just Vince McMahon kind of. I'm sure in you part know. that's why Sting got fucked over. Oh yeah, like, Dusty sure Rhodes. They, I mean, a lot of guys. Yeah, I mean Dusty Rhodes. They made him wear this like pink, pink polka dot yeah. outfit and just to embarrass him. Right. And, and like with Sting, uh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, we'll be nice to him. We'll get him in here, and then we'll have him job to Triple H. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, you couldn't let him win his first match. Yeah. And then have him job to the Undertaker at WrestleMania 33, and it's like, okay, he got his win, he got his rub. Uh, but Vince McMahon, I think, is so vindictive. Like, there's more money in making Sting win the first match. Right. Because a lot of kids don't know who Sting is in yeah. the WWE world. They're like, who's this guy with makeup? But if he beat Triple H that day, and then maybe you give him a title shot and he wins, it's have him keep the belt for two weeks. 
every kid in that arena is like, who's that guy? I want his DVD. I want his T-shirt. Yeah. Vince McMahon didn't care. He's like, I'm going to fuck this guy. Up. Yeah. And just made him look ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it was embarrassing. That like, sucks. It would literally be like taking um, Bill Hicks and making him uh, go on Last Comic Standing. Yeah. You know, or something of that. It's like, really? Right. And his watered-down version of it. Yeah. So it's... Uh, yeah. And I like Abdul with the Kamala I'm obsessed with. If I can... Uh, like the, the Ugandan giant. Because I met him as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, I really thought wrestling was real. You know, you're 49, you grew up with no internet. So if right. someone was billed as being from Uganda, you're like, oh, I guess he's from Africa. Yeah. And uh, my dad took me to the Olympic Auditorium, which is off the five freeway. Oh, yeah. It's a Korean church now. <laughs> and, um, uh it's also where Kiss filmed their video for Crazy Nights, but that's another podcast. <laughs> um, and my dad left me alone backstage at a WWF event, which shows you my dad's parenting skills. And, uh, wow. Because he had known like a referee or something. Mm-hmm. I see Kamala getting dressed, and he's putting on his, like these golf pants. And, like, <laughs> he's wearing like a Lacoste shirt. And I'm just staring at him because he was like six foot six. Now Big he's about... Guy. Well, now he's about 5'3". <laughs> he yeah. has no legs. Right. Uh, and he motions for me to come over. And uh, I was literally... It was, it was like, you're meeting a superhero. And he's like, hey, young man, I'm Jim. And I'm like, uh, you're Kamala. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you doing speaking English? Yeah. And then Kimchi came over, and Kimchi was his manager. And, you know, you're led to believe kimchi was Asian, and it's like this white... I think it was the Brooklyn Brawler. Yeah, Steve um, Lombardi. He, yeah. he did a bunch of gimmicks like he that. He kind of looked like you, like, yeah. you know, but with uh, scruff. And I'm right. like, uh, you're not Asian, and like, <laughs> how come he's not pounding his belly to talk to you? Because yeah. that was how... <laughs> so that was when I thought... Re- that's when I knew wrestling wasn't real. Like, yeah. it took me that... I was 13. I'm like, oh. I, really. But you still kept liking it. That's cool. I did until... Uh, you know, I grew up with storylines, and like, you know, like when Sting fought Hogan the very first time in WCW, it took nine months. I mean, it was oh, yeah. the most amazing buildup. They would not get into the ring for nine months, yeah. and you, and, and then of course Hogan beat him. Like Sting always gets fucked over. Oh yeah, <laughs> and just, God damn, he must have a horrible manager yeah. uh, or an agent or whoever helping him or not helping him. Not helping him. So I kind of checked out after. Uh, that I, I, you know, I tried to watch WrestleMania for a little bit Sunday. It just because I have the network, which I I'm not plugging the network because I, I don't want to make. So you don't watch it now? No. Oh, I thought you did. No, okay. I tried. Okay. I just don't. Uh, I prefer everything. I, I sound old saying this, but like I love '80s action movies to today's action movies, which are all CGI. And mm-hmm. you know, you watch a Fast and Furious movie, and I know they're. It's like I know wrestling's fake. I know the Fast and Furious isn't a documentary, mm-hmm. but I still like to have a little bit of believability. Yeah. Like I know in Predator, there's not an actual alien hunting down seven guys in the jungle, <laughs> right. but it, it's believable enough where like, oh, I feel like I'm watching a live uh, play. Yeah. You know, I don't feel that with wrestling now. It's the feuds are over in two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, it's a kid show. You yeah, know? you can't. I mean, John Cena, you know, I mean, I respect him for he'll do any match. Uh, when Seth Rollins broke his nose in the middle of the match, and I mean, he broke it. It wasn't a slight break. It was like his nose disintegrated. He finished the match. Like, uh, you, you know, usually if someone gets really hurt, they could have called it. 
Yeah. Um, so. Uh, yeah, people assume people assume that I'm that, that since I love real wrestling so much that I don't like you know. But I, those guys are athletes. I mean, they're absolutely athletes. Oh yeah. And I could talk to you about this stuff all day. There's a lot of stuff I wanted to talk to you about that I didn't get to. But I'll come back. Yeah, I'd love to have yeah, you on again. And uh, back on, is there anything you'd like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, just real fast on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Earl Skakel E A R L. S K A K E L and my own podcast is just inappropriate Earl, which I would love to have you guys on. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'd love, love to, to be on it too. And uh, as always, go to makingithappen.com, help out little Bo Macon, and check out timgathercomedy.com for all my social media stuff. You can follow me on all that crap there. And uh, Drake, you got anything you want to tell anybody? I'm going to be in Grants Pass, Oregon in uh, two weeks. So uh, check my Facebook and Twitter, and I'll have all the info and where I'm playing and stuff. There, be there a couple days. Say hello to Treble for me. I will. Is that his deal? <laughs> yeah, I'll be at the Funny Bone in uh, Virginia Beach April 22nd, April 18th through 22nd. But all that stuff's on timgathercomedy.com. Earl, thanks a lot for being on here, buddy, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Thank you guys very much. Yeah, thanks a bunch, Earl. Bye-bye.